0: Boy, well, it's good to be in the house of God, amen? Yeah. Choir, that was off the charts, hallelujah. Thank God for good, godly music and people yeah. that still believe in it, right? Amen. Well, I thank the Lord. My uh, my wife will be here, Lord willing, uh, tomorrow evening. I'll pick her up at the airport at 4 o'clock. She's coming dressed for church, hallelujah. So won't have to, to worry about that. We'll just pick her up and come on straight in. So uh, we're certainly thankful. Can I move this out of the way? We're thankful, um, Pastor, for the privilege uh, to be a part of this church. Um, I drove through Uniontown on the way here. About 17 years ago, there was a preacher that just believed God could do something in this community. Stood behind a little pulpit in a a retirement center, wasn't it? With a handful of people. And just preached the same way he's preaching today. Yeah, but he just is. believed that God could do, a, do some miracles in this place. Never started a building fund. I'll never forget that. Just believed that God was going to give him a building. His dad had to straighten him out because he prayed that it would be within five miles. When he found out the building that was offered to him was 5.6 miles away, he almost didn't take it. Amen. <laughs> thank Thank the Lord for a, a good dad. Amen. But uh, I'm sure he would have anyhow. But then to see what, what God's done with this place um, not just but just to look pastor just and, and there's more out there being taught the word of God right now uh, but I thank the Lord that he had a burden for missions as well I believe the first two missionaries one was me and I believe the other one was brother Gary Lucas is that not right today your other missionary from your first might have even been the first mission conference may have been Uh, Your other missionary that God gave you is in, in, uh, I think, Siberia, Russia, um, preaching to to some Russian Russian folks, telling them the truth of the gospel. And uh, God's given me the privilege to be back here today, um, 17 years later, uh, to give you uh, something from God's Word. Amen. And uh, it is an honor and it is a privilege, I promise you, uh, to be here. I'd like you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Psalm chapter 90 and verse 11. 3.6 billion people in the world wouldn't know what to do if I said take your Bibles. 3.6 billion people in the world don't have a copy of God's Word in their language. Uh, They have no clue who Jesus is. Uh, Many of them have never heard His name. I remember... um, I remember witnessing to someone the very first time I went to Cambodia, talking through my translator, they had, they, they'd never even heard of Jesus, never even heard of him. Uh, and here we sit today uh, with a copy of God's word in our hand and aren't we blessed, amen. amen? And I believe all the blessings can go right straight back to our forefathers who just happened to found a nation on the Bible principles in our book. Don't believe that? Just go to Washington, D.C. and find scriptures embedded in our buildings all over the place. This is a Christian nation. I'm thankful that we have God's Word. Psalm 90 and verse number 11. It might be good if I got there. Psalm 90 and verse number 11. The Bible says, if you'll stand with me this morning, just this one verse. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is wrath. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is wrath. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Here in Psalm 90, we have a prayer from Moses, um, known as the man of God. And here, Lord Jesus, He gives us this question, a question to ponder, a question to think about, but I hope, Lord Jesus, that it's a question that will cause us to have action. Lord Jesus, I pray this morning that you would please uh, take control of my mind, take control of my lips. Lord, I'm asking the blessed Spirit of God to speak through me and use me, Father. I hope to just simply be, uh, Lord, a mouthpiece for you this morning. I love you and praise you this morning. Thank you again for Community Baptist Temple and the pastor and his wife who had a vision to reach this part of the world, Lord, and then also a region, a reason and a, a vision to, uh, to reach the entire world through their mission program. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you and be seated. I, I always count it an honor any time I'm asked to stand behind another man at God's pulpit and preach the Word of God. I honestly I don't preach very many mission conferences. I, I actually I can't even remember the last time I preached a mission conference. Um, many times it's just a, a Sunday night. I'll I'll schedule a meeting when I'm flying by or going through or uh, to schedule a meeting to get an update onto our church or to try and raise some more support for our international department. Uh, But I always count it an honor, especially when I can come to this church. I've always enjoyed this church. Uh, But I, I wonder this morning, and I want you to think with me, think about this scenario. What if we had the opportunity from right here at this church to call a preacher to stand behind this pulpit, and he would be given the opportunity to preach, and the whole world would hear? I often wondered how that could be possible, and then, um, then Al Gore invented the internet, <laughs> <laughs> and now it's possible. I mean, literally, I can be in a in a hotel room in Cambodia and listen to my pastor preaching live in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It's absolutely amazing. One fella here just recently told me that I need to be on Facebook, and I'm not against. I'm not totally against <laughs> Facebook. I believe Facebook can be used just like anything else for an absolutely good tool. He said, Brother Van Horn, he says, daily I I reach 47,000 people. That is incredible. It's a wonderful tool uh, when used properly. But think about it now. If we could call a preacher to stand behind this pulpit, and every eye would see him and every ear would hear him one time to preach the gospel Who would you call? Surely wouldn't be me. Uh, I think about some of the great preachers uh, of of the past. Dead or alive, you know, Moses was an incredible preacher, wasn't he? Uh, You think about the Old Testament guys, get on into the New Testament. David, no doubt, uh, was a tremendous psalmist, a tremendous preacher, had power. Solomon, uh, at one time, called the preacher... Uh, no doubt he could preach with great authority, and and lives would be changed. No doubt he would uh, uh, would be capable. I, I think about uh, our New Testament preachers. Peter, uh, I like old Peter. Hey, Amen. I can relate to him. I like old Peter. He stood and three thousand souls would come to know Christ after his preaching. And and the church was added to daily because of his preaching. The Apostle Paul, what mighty power he had. Given us over half of our New Testament of the Bible, uh, called from being a Christian killer to becoming a Christian maker. Amen? What a great preacher he must have been. What an absolutely incredible preacher. I think of our Lord Savior, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh no doubt, the most powerful preacher that's ever lived because he was the author of every word in the book. He's the author of salvation. He's the author of eternity. He is God. But please don't think I'm a heretic. I'm talking about an entire world where most people... A lot of people today, you say the name Jesus, they know who he is and don't want anything to do with him. What would make us think they'd listen to him if he could preach to the world? What about some of our modern day? Boy, old Jack Hiles, he could flat throw it down, couldn't he? I think of Billy Graham in his day would fill up entire coliseums and people would go to hear the preaching instead of watching some pigskin run up and down the, the field. And thousands would be saved. Louis Zamperini, one of the great evangelists uh, of the old of uh, uh, the nineteenth or twentieth century, um, Louis Zamperini would uh, be saved at a tent revival. A, a former a POW of the of uh, the Japanese would go on to to preach and to do great things for the uh, uh, the, the youth and in the the youth for Christ. What about old Billy Sunday? It's been said when Billy Sunday would sit and prepared to preach he could be heard saying they're going to hell they're going to hell all these men as, as great as they are and, and as much as I, I i believe they could do a magnificent job i, I personally believe that there is one fellow that i would call there's no doubt that i would call him to be the most powerful the most effective, the most convincing preacher that's ever lived. My Bible doesn't even give him a name. They title, they title him, but they don't use his, his, his actual formal name. They just simply call him the rich man. Our preacher today wouldn't have a three-piece suit on. Our preacher today uh, would be clothed in scarred, burnt rags. He'd be filthy with worms crawling all over him. He might not even be able to speak real well because he's been breathing smoke and flames for over 2,000 years. He truly knows the verse in Psalm 90 verse 4, For a thousand years in thy sight are as but... Yesterday, when his past and as a watch in the night I believe if we could bring this rich man out of hell to preach to the world I think his message would go something like this you say brother Van Horn this seems a bit odd for a mission conference is it Why are we having a mission conference? To blow the bubble out of a thermometer? No. To see a family get sent so we can say we're sending 100 missionaries instead of 99, and I don't know how many you're sending, but I know it's a lot, and I thank the Lord for it? No. The message that this rich man will preach today is outlined in the Word of God. And I think it's going to be... uh, could be the most powerful message ever preached if he could stand here and do it. I've got a small audience Dave. Just a small group of people. But if we can get this into our hearts, it could change a world. It's not just about them believing what we believe. It's not just about them coming to our church and... And helping us fill our church is not what it's about. It's about keeping them out of hell. I believe his introduction could be found in Psalm 49, verses 1 through 3. I believe the rich man would be very careful to use the scriptures as he preached for his words are just empty and void. But yet when the scriptures are used, a power from the Holy Ghost of God would be used. And I believe he would introduce and tell the people, Hear this, all ye people, give ear. All ye inhabitants of the world, both high and low, rich and poor together, my mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I believe basically he would say, Listen up, I know what I'm talking about. If you wanted to learn how to play basketball today, I guarantee you, you wouldn't ask Mike Van Horn how to teach you. (laughs) Amen. But uh that Michael Jordan fella was available. He could probably teach you how to throw some down, couldn't he? Amen. That guy was crazy. He could fly, they say. <laughs> they, they, he jumped from the top of the key and slam dunked the ball. That's just amazing. I feel sorry for him. He said, basketball is my refuge and strength. In his acceptance speech into the Hall of Fame. Blasphemy. He can have all his money, all his power, all his fame, all his ability. And die and go to hell. Dear God, save his soul. If the rich man could preach to him, maybe he'd listen. I believe in Luke chapter 16, if you'll go there with me this morning, starting in verse number 23. I've got to hurry. Luke chapter number 16. In verse number 23, we would hear the rich man. And in hell he lift up his eyes being in torment and see Abraham afar off and Lazarus him in his bosom. Verse 23, he cried said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue. For I'm tormented in this flame. I believe he would cry out with his first point, there's no mercy in hell. There's no mercy in hell. I think he would stand here and say, I begged Abraham and have been begging him for over 2,000 years for just a drop of water off the tip of a finger. Uh, May I remind you, the last time he saw that finger, it was filled with sores and slime from a beggar sitting below his table. And he says, "I'll, I'll be satisfied with that. Just give me a drip of water off of his finger. Just a drip from, from the tip of his finger and I'll be fine. He would say, have mercy on me. But his answer was no. No mercy. His answer was no then. And his answer is no today. To this very day. His eyes are still looking up. Now, it didn't say he lifted up his eyes. It said he lift up his eyes. They're still there. Mercy. Mercy. No. No way. You're done. You died in your sins. You'll pay for your sins for eternity. Do you realize the people that you work with, if they do not know Jesus, they'll look up for an eternity and they'll say, just one drop. No. You realize your friends, teenagers, some of you are afraid to tell them about Jesus because you... You're afraid what they might think about you, teenagers, adults as well. We're afraid what somebody might think if they, if they hear us open up our Bible and, and speak the Word of God to them. We're afraid what they might think of us. Well, that friend, family member, co-worker, you name it, is going to spend an eternity in hell if someone doesn't reach them. I think his second point would simply be in Luke sixteen twenty five when the Bible says, But Abraham said, Son, remember thou in thy lifetime that thou receivest good things. And likewise, Lazarus evil, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. I believe his first point, of course, would be there's no mercy. But secondly, he would say, My memory haunts me. It's very obvious and clear according to the scriptures if the rich man could stand today, day. He obviously knew who Lazarus was so he would know all about his life. There's no doubt that he would remember the, the times when Lazarus just wanted a little bit of help. And, and, and who knows whether anybody, Lazarus included, even told this rich man about Christ. I don't know. See, you don't have to deny Christ to go to hell. You just don't have to know him. And if somebody doesn't go, tell him how will they know him? I was in on the famous George Street in Sydney, Australia earlier this year and I love passing out gospel tracts. They're called Silent Preachers by Charles Spurgeon. Amen. Those little preachers preach long after I'm gone. And and I I was standing on George Street. We're almost done. I handed a gospel track. I said, young lady, can I give you a little gospel track? She said, sure. And she grabbed it and she ripped it up in my face and said, that's what I think of you and your God. And I just simply said as she walked away, I said, young lady, I said, you'll remember this day forever. And then she would simply yell back at me that my God hates lesbians and homosexuals. I said, no, ma'am, you're wrong. He loved them so much that he died for their sins. She'll remember that. She'll remember that for all eternity. I've got her on my prayer list. I don't know her name. I just call her the Sodomite. I hope and pray she gets saved. I don't want to see her burning in hell. I don't care what she thinks of me. I don't care what she said about me. It doesn't matter. What matters is she's going to be looking up forever. I think he would tell how he remembers all of his ungodly addictions that his body craves for. Whether it's drugs or alcohol or pornography, the body just longs for it and craves for it. But I got good news. The Holy Ghost can give you a victory over any addiction, any addiction. But here we've got a rich man that's in hell with a memory, and I believe his addictions are going to haunt him. As badly as he would long to have a cigarette, or or as bad as his brain would cause him to long to have a drink of booze, or a glimpse of pornography, he'll be be denied all of those things which will again cause torment. I believe he'll remember the wealth that he once had, that he used to control people. But now he'll realize that money has no power That's all you're living for is money today. I feel sorry for you. I really do. Man, I I, I love money, but I love it for a reason. I love to give it for the glory of God. Amen. I just like to be a little channel. I, I love to watch him give it so I can give it back. It's absolutely, positively incredible. I had a preacher call me a Sunday evening. My prayer letter went out about our news and the work in Hungary and how we ha- had need for the translation work. And he said, Brother Van Orney says the church voted today to, to, to pay for that translation work. He, he, it's $600 for the book of John. And, and um, he said, You know what? He said, You can do anything you want to with the rest of it. Now you can tell a missionary that, and a lot of things go through your mind. Amen. But I said, preacher, I said, this is what I'm going to do. I said, I'll use whatever I need for the translation. I said, whatever's left, we'll just give towards the missionary's need for a vehicle. So I'm driving up the road. This was just this was just Wednesday night. I'm driving up the road coming over, um, uh, coming to here Friday, and uh, an old boy I used to be with a, with our ministry, he calls me up, said, Brother Van Horn. He said, he got an old gravelly voice. He had gotten a great big inheritance. He was working as a chaplain out in some of the prisons out in Missouri. He called our ministry said, uh, we just don't need the money anymore. He says, I, I'd like to our mission, mission money to go to other missionaries. But he said, Brother Van Orden, he said, God just laid you on my heart today. I'm going to send you a check. The guy's got more money than Carter's got liver pills. I don't know how much he's going to send, but God said, you just keep using it. Let it come through you and let it go back out. I love giving. It is incredible i believe i believe that this rich man's going to be haunted by the past hurts one out of 3 young ladies in america are sexually abused today the world has perverted what god designed for the husband and wife to be precious and has perverted it causing it to be used to destroy the lives of people but i got good news the holy ghost of god can heal those hurts too but he'll have Memories of, of, of all the different times that people had hurt him. Well, I believe now he's told the congregation that there's no mercy in hell and, and that his memory haunts him. I ne- think next his third point would simply be that the magnitude of the masses between eternal life and the flames of hell are immeasurable. No hope of escape, he'd cry. No hope of escape to an audience of the entire world hoping that they would listen. The Bible says in Luke 26, or 1626, And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from hence. He'd say, Mine eyes have been looking up for over 2,000 years with no hope. I believe he might even say that some of my religious leaders said that God was a God of love and that he would never condemn anyone into hell. I think he would cry out, lies, lies. I think he would say, there is no salvation except in the blood of Jesus Christ. Right. Amen. Neither is there salvation in any other name, for there's none other name given among men where we must be saved. It's got to be His name. It's got to be salvation by grace through faith. It's got to be trusting in Jesus Christ. God, the image of the invisible God coming to this earth, living as a human being for 33 and a half years, dying on a cruel cross for you, conquering the death and the grave by raising Himself to life and then offering to the world the free gift of eternal life. Any other way our rich man would scream, they're all lies. They're all lies. I think he'd say there's no unbelievers down here. They say there's no unbelievers in hell and there's no unbelievers in foxholes. That's right, and Those of you that served in the military, thank you very much. And some of you know what I'm talking about. I was in during peacetime. I never had a bullet fired at me. But I, I, I definitely can understand Men went through. I think if we would read Psalm 49, we'll not go there, but we'll hear the warning that was given to the people of Korah just before the earth would open up and swallow them. I think he'd probably take time to read that to them. I think his next point, most important point, would simply be found in verses 27 and 28. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. A 14-year-old boy was called to preach here a few months ago. He went to this passage, and he said that this rich man was praying to the wrong person in the wrong place and at the wrong time. think he would commission a mission program, a soul winning program. Can you imagine all the people today that are burning in hell saying, send someone to my brother? Lazarus is just an example. He's an example of the billions of people that are down there screaming today saying, just please someone warn them, please, please. He's begging you. He's telling you, please go to my family. We're all descendants of Adam. Amen? We all are. So who's his brother? He's praying for the world, brother. He didn't even know it, but he's praying for the entire world to get a mission program, to have a soul winning program, to send somebody... Somebody's got to tell them. Somebody's got to warn them. Somebody, please, tell them about this place. But then Abraham had to break the bad news to him. In verse number 29, And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let him hear them. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. You see, he wanted in verse 30, Abraham to send someone from the dead. Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went from the dead, they will repent. Abraham had to break the news to this poor, tortured, miserable preacher that his brothers will have the exact same chance he had. For God's no respecter of persons. He's just not. You want your family saved? You better tell them about it. Amen? You want your brother saved? You better tell him about it. It would also be a help if you lived a life of a Christian in front of him so he knew it was real. But I uh, I think maybe some of these... Family members of his just happened to be, I don't know, I'm speculating, but it could be that they were there during the resurrection when Jesus ascended up into the heaven. They may have been part of the 500 that watched him go up. Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But All I know is one thing is the only hope their brothers has is if someone tells them about Christ. And then I think the last point would be an interesting point. I believe he would say this. Please remember the rich and the wealthy the saving message of christ i'm in a prison ministry so i go to the down and outer if you will i go to the one that's that's lost it all that uh their bed is a concrete with a piece of mat about this thick and and um well if you should see some of the food those poor fellows and ladies have to eat it's pretty rough stuff and to be locked up behind those bars it's miserable uh yeah. And we have bus routes, and I thank the Lord for them, and we go to the trailer parks, and hallelujah, glory to God, and all those things, because everybody needs Jesus. But what about the, uh, the mansions around here? What about the rich and the wealthy? Why are we so intimidated by someone who drives... I know your preacher drives a Cadillac, but why are we so intimidated <laughs> by... <laughs> why are we so intimidated by the rich? Why are we afraid to witness to... I wonder if Donald Trump walked by if you'd witness to him. You know, sometimes it's just because you're more interested in their money getting into their pockets than you are about their soul burning in hell. Don't be afraid of the rich and the wealthy. Right here, we've got one that says, Go to the rich and the wealthy. My brothers have money, but they need Christ. I think he would say, Don't forget... Uh, don't forget the rich man. Again, I don't know. It It never really says whether the rich man had someone witness to him. I don't know. No doubt Lazarus had a chance. Because Lazarus didn't go to heaven because he was a poor beggar. Lazarus went to heaven because he's a born-again Bible-believing Christian. It's the only way a person goes. Well, 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-9 says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? According to thy fear so is wrath. Was the question the man of God Moses posed to us this morning? Well, to answer the question is simple. Billions of people burning in hell know, they know it. Hell is as real as the nose on your face. It's a topic that many preachers choose to avoid. Why, I really don't know other than, of course, we know our new name it and claim it. Just want to build the uh, the, the multi-billion dollar complexes and and and, and drive brand new Cadillacs and, and brand new Rolls Royces and Mercedes and all those different things. They want all the luxuries of this world. If I could have a week's salary that Joel Osteen character makes, I could do a lot for for the cause of Christ, amen well it's a biblical fact that men and women are going to hell every day I did a little calculation it's calculated according to the population of the world and the religious figures found on our wonderful internet thank you Al Gore 52 million people die every year and go, and they say and these particular people are ones that were non-religious 52 million people die and go to hell every year 52 million Um, I thought I'd break that down for you this morning That's 433,000 people every month It's 108,333 every week And as you continue to break it down You'll find that 15,476 people Will die and go to hell before this day is over 644 every hour 11 people every minute Every five seconds, someone's going to hell. What can we do about it? Number one, if you're lost in this place, you can get saved. So you don't have to go to hell and lift up your eyes and scream for all eternity. Someone go tell my brother. This place is real. There's no mercy. My memory is haunting me. It's impossible to cross from here to there. Number two, get involved in your church. Amen. it's what this church is for. It's for this community. It's for the kid that's, that's uh, giving you a hamburger from behind McDonald's or Wendy's. Uh, it's to the lady at the bank. They're not just people doing a job. They're, they're human beings that will, will die and either go to heaven or go to hell. And it could quite possibly be determined on whether or not you give them the, the message. I like what Brother Scott Hanks did, out in you know Brother Scott Hanks out in Heritage Baptist in um, um, out in Kansas somewhere. Um, trying to pull up the name Her- uh, anyhow, it's right out there in Kansas, just a little bit southwest of Wichita. They've got a printing ministry, Mercy and Truth Ministries. That church right there decided that they're going to get the gospel to every single house in the state of Kansas, and they did. They started printing door hangers and filled up gospel tracts. And, and you know, the sad thing about it, he told me, is some of the local churches in the areas that he would go with didn't even want to work with him. But they literally, their church, would go to every single house in the state of Kansas and put a door hanger on it or witness to people talking about Christ. That's incredible! That's a man that just believes God can do something. A soul winning program. He's an answer to the rich man's prayer. It's exactly what he is. And this church is an answer to his prayer as well. But then they would take that gospel message and, like this great church, spread it around the world through the mission program. The screams in hell must absolutely be in hall. Absolutely awful. We can all do something. Some can pray. Some can preach. Some can sing. Some can go. Some can give. But whatever your specific part that the Lord deals with you about this week or has been dealing with you about, please just say okay. Why not you be an answer to the rich man's prayer? He may just tell you to go. Dr. Keene pastored the same church for 35 years, and all of a sudden God said, you're done. I want you to be a missionary. Wow. I've been reading some of his books. That's, that, that's just incredible. We can all take gospel tracts and pass them out. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. The needs are so great. The needs are so great. God's got my back personally. I, I'm not even concerned about any of our, our family needs. I, I, you all get up and go to work and God takes care of your needs, Right? I'm not going to put in my missionary letter that I need a washing machine. That's for sure. You can count on that and you can go back and look. But I surely don't have a problem telling you I need Bible money. I don't have a problem telling you we're trying to build a Christian school in Cambodia. I don't have any problem trying to get you involved in God's work. Because that's what he wants you to do. The most effective preacher in the world has done two things this morning. Number one, if you're lost, He's warned you about the place that you're headed. If you're in this room today and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you walk outside those doors, you're not guaranteed your next breath. Our missionary, Brother Al you remember Brother Al, or not Al, Brother Dennis Caps, 33-year-old son sitting on his, on his dad's couch dropped over with a heart attack. Gone. Thirty-three. Just gone. Just dead just like that. Teenagers every day are dying. Some of them die right on the basketball court. I've heard stories of fifteen, sixteen-year-old boy just dropping over with a heart attack. Then there's those, those fellas my age, fifty, fifty-five years old, and they're out there jogging healthy as can be and drop over dead of a massive heart attack. I'm just gonna eat me a greasy cheeseburger, French fry and trust God and pray and keep my life right. Amen. <laughs> Forget that living healthy mess, amen. I'd rather have me a cheeseburger. (laughs) But if you're lost in this room today and you know it, and I guarantee you know it because the Holy Spirit's telling you you're on your way to hell then you better listen to this rich man today and understand that everything that he's telling you in this Bible, there's no way he can actually put the power, there's no way I can put the power and and get you to see and to feel what he's feeling right now. But you, sir, you, ma'am, will die and go to hell if you do not call on the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And I do it today. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. I'd do it today. I'd get it done. But secondly, he'd say, Community Baptist Temple doing a good job but there's so much more you could do we got some folks in here that God may have already called to the mission field and you're just not going I just throw it in I just throw her down and say here I am Lord whatever you want Maybe your ministry is just to be a prayer and fasting ministry. Thank God, brother. Brother Kavanaugh, was that you that told your class to fast? Amen. I, that's incredible. Amen. Go ahead and quit eating for three days, too. That would really help. But I think that rich man is saying, somebody has got to tell my family. If you're lost, I'll oh, get right today. If you're saved, Say, God, what do you want me to do? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Go stand to your feet with me this morning.